At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombard here, the world messenger, and I'm welcoming you to another fantastic episode of Legacy Leaders Show. And I have a very special guest here with me today that I absolutely cannot wait for you guys to un unpack um, a lot of phenomenal stories here, as well as opportunity to really learn a profound truths from uh, Terry Nichols. Um, he is beside top thought leader and four times author, phenomenal speaker and visionary. He's also uh, focusing and working as an ambassador and humanitarian out in global scale to making impact and difference, which everybody knows that is very close to my heart but also working with executives and CEOs in one of those most challenging times and most trying times in 2020. So please, without further ado, uh, welcome uh, Terry Nichols to the show. Terry, welcome. I'm so glad to be here, Isabella. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely, and I, I am looking forward to it as well. Uh, thank you again for agreeing and uh, showing up. Um, specifically right now, month of September, that is the month of uh, uh, reflection for a lot of people, uh, specifically around uh, domestic abuse and suicide, but also school year and, and new starts and, and, and major, major shifts as we're experiencing that already 2020 just keeps giving us in terms of challenges, obstacles, but also opportunities. So you are uh, in North Carolina in Asheville, right? Yes. And how is the life over there? Do you mind sharing a little bit about the uh, current situation? Where are you at? I love my Asheville. Uh, uh, great food restaurants. Um, the, the great Biltmore Mansion is here that the Vanderbilts built 120 years ago. And um, I'm a mountain boy. Uh, I was born in Southwest Montana and the slopes of uh, the Rocky Mountains and raised in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, so uh, when, when it was time to graduate from school, I wanted to be a sailor and see the world. And that's exactly what I did for 20 years. Wow, so, I did not know about that about you because growing up in creation on Adriatic Coast and having over a thousand islands, uh, sailing was one of my passions and desire to really master that. Uh, but I can't say that I spent invested 20 years as you did. So where did you sail? Please tell us some of your biggest adventures. Well, I was on two different ships and uh, they were both unique. My first ship was uh, an amphibious ship. That's the kind that drives up and, and sinks on the beach on purpose so that they can let out the Marines and trucks and all those kinds of things on uh, assault landings. Uh, that was a very interesting um, experience. It's a, it's a very low draft uh, ship, so you can get into a lot of ports that most uh, Navy vessels can't get into because they can't get, get in from the draft. So we got to go to ports that uh, people don't get to go to. It was a lot of fun. 
I really enjoyed my three and a half years on there. And then there was another ship, uh, anti-submarine warfare ship, where when they when the whole uh, battle group is out in the middle of the ocean, we're the farthest away from the carriers to to look for enemy submarines. And so you're always by yourself. You know, you know, you don't have to worry about formations and all of that stuff. And and it's a very small ship. And matter of fact, it's smaller than the other ship I just talked about. And it also has a low draft. So we went into ports that one port in particular we went to in Spain on the Spanish Riviera, where no U.S. Navy vessel had been since World War II. And this was in wow. the, the late uh, 1980s. And uh, that was just the most amazing four days. Just incredible. The, the, the town opened up for us and we, we were on our best behavior as sailors can be. And uh, it was just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful the Americans experience. that can be. Okay, yes. I know, I know. Yes. So I saw everything in the Atlantic Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, north and over into Sweden and the Arctic Circle and all of over there, north, northern and western uh, Africa. It was a great experience. And all of that with the military? Uh, with, 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 with the U.S. Army. Navy, yes. With the uh -huh. Navy, okay, fantastic. That is, that is a great experience indeed. So uh, after the U.S. Navy uh, and when you retired from, from that line of work, what did you do? Do you mind sharing how this uh, 20 some years of experience you pivot and reinvented yourself? Because a lot of times people have a hard time doing that. And since like you did some interesting work since then. I've had a buried uh, civilian career after the United States Navy, that's for sure. And uh, I did a lot of things. I sold uh, custom clothing to ex women and men executives, uh, sold cars for a while. Uh, I started a couple of uh, businesses that, sell, that sold uh, uh, monument stones. Uh, I was a club manager at country clubs and business clubs for a number of years. I just did a lot of different things. I, I was at the sea level of, of a couple of corporations. Uh, really trying to find myself, Isabella, because mm -hmm. I didn't really know who I was or what I was here for. And about 46 years old, I found out a secret that I'm Native American. That's why uh, my middle name, if you will, is Terry Earthwind Nichols, which makes it uh, really easy to do a Google search on. I'm the only one in the world. Uh, whereas if you Google uh, Terry Nichols, you get 20,000 of my closest friends in North America alone. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> so uh, my, my tribal name of Earthwind, Gado Onule, is his breath across the earth, which is kind of nice too. But it, it gave me a, a, an opportunity to see the world and my, my journey in it from a different angle. And it, was, and it has been pretty interesting the last 20 years. And do you mind, Terry, sharing which tribe you're part of, uh, where your heritage from, uh, come from, uh, from Native American culture? Well, I live in Asheville, uh, North Carolina, which is the western, uh, southwestern uh, area of North Carolina and the Smoky Mountains and the, and the Appalachian Mountains, which means I'm about 50 miles uh, due east of my homeland, Chickamauga, Cherokee. That's where they used to be prior to uh, the great 
forced migration out to the West, uh, you know, the Trail of Tears. Uh, so I'm in my homelands uh, for my bloodline, if you want to say it that way. So it's kind of interesting. I'm Chickamauga. Uh, we're not one of the recognized tribes. That's a, that's a story for another day. But uh, uh, I enjoy who I am and the journey that I've been placed on because of my affiliation and, and um, my start uh, with uh, my spiritualism and, and being a Native American man. That is beautiful. When we, which is which is interesting. You before you knew it, you uh, gravitated towards Asheville and North Carolina, and then now you're finding years later your roots and how all of that spiritual, just natural tendency that felt home now being more and more emphasized. And then uh, spirituality, obviously, in the concept that we're seeing in modern time, uh, there used to be huge taboo and separated from corporate America or separated from conversations and approaches to how we interact and look at each other in more holistic way, right? Yeah, absolutely. A shift. I was raised uh, to believe that uh, I was a fourth generation Irish American white boy. Well, that's, that's changed now. And I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm very comfortable in my role nationally and internationally as a Native American man uh, um, on a spiritual journey of world peace. We can get into that later if you like. I would love to uh, explore that, but I'm also hearing uh, in, in your voice, and I know there was some other pivotal moments that uh, not only help you to embrace, but help you to uh, feed off and get nurtured and drive from and, and, and experiences that now helping others to not only survive, but to thrive. Do you mind unpacking a little bit about that as well? Well, I've always been, uh, well, my nickname in high school was Doc Nick. In those days, I, I went by Nick Nichols. And uh, people would just come to me and talk to me because they could talk to me and uh, without fear of being uh, told about or anything like that. And I, and I could give them comfort. I've never wanted to be a psychiatrist or anything like that. And uh, I've been that kind of person all my life. So. Um, when I decided to become a Stephen minister, that's a one-on-one -on -one crisis ministry, uh, non-denominational out of Kansas City, Missouri. It's an international organization where we help uh, people uh, in crisis of various kinds, divorce, end of life, uh, severe illnesses, uh, whatever the case may be. And helping somebody uh, from my place, I then lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, helping somebody one night uh, who lived in, in Australia, uh, a hunch came to mind to ask them to close their eyes and, and tell me what they smelled. And they smelled gas, which turned out to be a triggering device uh, for that person uh, who was suffering from then diagnosed uh, schizophrenia and has been hospitalized a couple of times and things like that. I didn't know that at the time, but I've learned it since. And over the course of about uh, three to five hours a week for about three months, what we now uh, practice uh, on five continents and 13 countries, 26 US states, repetitive behavior cellular regression. So what that is, that's a really nice long title. Science loves titles. And uh, it's a long title that says, we. We take a person through a memory, but not in the traditional way. When, when you talk to a behavioral scientist or a behavioralist, 
you tell them the story of a memory. We don't want to know the story. We have you freeze frame it into a photograph. When there's no motion in the memory, there's no emotion in the memory. And then we have them inventory the memory in a very scripted way uh, using their five senses. So if I was in the memory with them, for instance, and they were uh, at a certain place at a certain time, I would expect sensually, sensorily uh, to, to have certain things there. If I was on a, on a dock on a lake, there are certain things I'd want to, I, I would expect to smell or see. And if they're not there, that's interesting. So they go through three memories in this, in this specific uh, sequence. And when we're done, we're, they walk into uh, an amnesic memory from early childhood that has a lot of uh, emotion to it. Uh, not always uh, uh, an assault or anything like that. They, they see or witness something they don't understand of high emotional value. And because they're pre-language, they don't know how to, to do anything with it. They don't know how to process it. So amnesia, which is a protection device, not a disease, takes over and hides that memory. Well, the job of that uh, amnesic device, what we call the active block, uh, its job is to keep you from using that neural pathway. And it develops a system of repetitive uh, uh, behaviors uh, later on in life as other high emotional events occur so that you think about those events all the time. And that's where you get PTSD, suicide ideation, repetitive victimization. Mm -hmm. uh, usually somebody who is, has been sexually traumatized, it's been more than once, it becomes, a, uh, you know, they become victims. And so when we find that memory and come in through an alternate neural pathway, because uh, the protection device thinks linearly, A, B, C, D, F, G, two plus two is four, we use the senses, so it's abstract. We literally come into the back of the main uh, brain stem and come into a memory from a different angle and open up that memory. The key here, Isabella, is when we do that, all of the repetitive things that the thoughts that they have stop. They still have the memories, but they, they can turn them on and off whenever they want. And that's powerful. It is extremely powerful, specifically, as you already know, through my work over a decade um, with genocide, torture, war, trauma, human trafficking, rape victim survivors from over 100 countries. Right. And when you look at, uh, you know, how different cultures are also leveraging and utilizing spirituality for their healing versus Western approach and traditional way of counseling, psychiatry, psychology, um, and then also uh, trying another way, another pathways and other avenues uh, to rehabilitate the best way they can after those traumatic events. Uh, uh -huh. A lot, of, a lot of what you just mentioned was essential in their healing and their, their progress, but also being, again, self-aware, self-understanding where the triggers are and why some things get triggered even years later. I remember some of them, uh, when it was September 11th events occurred, so many of them were re-triggered back and, and it really had a hard, hard time sleeping and, and fear. And right now, looking what is going on uh, with current events, not only just with COVID, with politics, with economy, with unemployment, lack of, of that basic environment uh, to feel safe. Uh, again, the, the ratio 
comes very, very high. And unfortunately, that's why we see not only with former veterans or former military act on active duty, uh, gentlemen and ladies that have served the country, we see also that with this particular immigrant population. And, and as a result, we see a lot of suicide. Uh, so that is the contrast of what you just said when it's done right. But in order to do it, in order to know who can really, you can trust, it's, 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 it's a huge disconnect right now, isn't it? Yes, very much so. You know, I am a suicide survivor. And uh, as, as a veteran, um, I gave up one day back in late 2009. I went up on the top of my 28-story condo building and stood on the edge of the roof ready to go, perfectly calm, no crying, no heavy breathing, nothing. I was done. And something, somebody, call it what you like, said from behind me the words, basically, turn around, I have work for you to do. I turned around and there was nobody there, Isabella, but I turned around as if there was somebody there. I walked off that roof and I never came back. Within six months, what we now call the CR process was created and is working all over the world. So when uh, suicide ideation uh, people contact me, I can talk directly to them. And I have done so uh, a couple of times uh, uh, with veterans, for instance, who were at the point of pulling the trigger. And I got them to make the weapon safe, put it on the floor beside them, and come up on then Skype. We do it on Zoom now, but come up on Skype and talk to me and start the process and go through the session. And uh, the person I'm thinking about right now had the loaded Glock to his, his temple, had put that gun down and has never used it again. It, no longer any, even any weapons in the house and it's been six years and no future suicide ideation. So what we do is powerful. That is fantastic. So since September is again Suicide Prevention Month and we're talking about again a landscape and sadly I was just sharing with you a second ago that in the last two weeks I witnessed uh, suicide, I mean not suicide when they occurred, but that, that it happened with very thriving successful three individuals and one in UK and two United States and how that affected me because uh, I knew them, I always looked up to them and I felt like they're doing fantastic. Uh, I felt like with a few of them, I was very intimately close, a uh, friend and colleague. And then finding out uh, there was that, uh, you know, last resort for them and that they did not reach out for help. Uh, it, it just leaves so many of us with so many questions and being heartbroken, right? But also yes. returning back in my line of work and years and of, of working in similar environments like yourself, I can understand uh, how this occurs and how this happens firsthand myself. But then now it's like, how do we bridge the gap? And do you mind sharing on the methods or advice or things that you wanted to share with listeners and people that are watching this episode, actually? Um, yeah. what, what, what will be your advice and, and, and what methods you find to be easy that we can kind of do self-regulation and quick self-check? Because right now, everybody's trying to hold and be brave face and specifically men are being trained not to ask for help. Yes. Could you please dispel that? Yes, do ask for help. It's not weak. September 10th, 2020, um, we'll, we'll be hosting uh, Evolutionary Hot 
uh, live uh, on LinkedIn and, and Facebook, uh, we do an annual uh, show, uh, anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, where we talk about um, different things like uh, a lot of people don't talk about imposter syndrome. That's a PTSD type of a situation with uh, white collar workers. Uh, in the executive ranks, it's rampant. It's like 80% deal with this issue every day and every night. And so we talk about that. We talk about uh, veterans and, and the issues that they deal with. I'm one of them, okay? I can talk from being on the inside of the suicide equation. And that is powerful. And every year, uh, when somebody else new uh, shows up and they tell their story, and that's powerful, that's wonderful. Uh, the object of it is to tell about the CR process. There is a way to stop it. It's a one and done session that takes about three hours. Now, there's some self-repatterning that, that we help them work with over a course of 30 days. Takes about 30 days to, to set and hold a new pattern in the human brain. That's why we work with them for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we work with everybody because everybody has these issues. Alcoholics have these issues. Uh, substance abusers. Uh, actually, alcohol is a substance abuse. And uh, uh, victimization. Some of the things that I talked about earlier, um, all of it can lead to suicide because when you go quiet and you're on the inside, you no longer care to reach out. You don't, you don't worry about what you should say to somebody, you just go quiet. And that's, that's the danger. And people, uh, uh, Robin Williams went quiet. All of a sudden, nobody saw him. He was all over the place all the time. Uh, nobody noticed the signs he was giving away stuff and, and all the signs of a, of a suicide. And all of a sudden he went silent. And after two weeks, somebody went to check on him and he had been dead for a couple of days. Uh, and so, that's what happens. That's the reality. Like uh, your colleagues that you, we were talking about earlier and uh, people that I know uh, that um, they just, they're it. They're, they're at that point where it, it's not going to be anymore. You know, uh, we trademarked the repetitive behavior, cellular regression. We are qualified to be a contractor for the U.S. government, and the VA and stuff like that. We're new. That's the problem. Okay, it starts slowly. EMDR technicians are in uh, VA hospitals all over the place right now. That's the people that go the left, right, left, right, left, right rep, um, work. And uh, it took them years to get somebody to, to, to do that because it's non-medical. So now it's a practice. So, you know, it'll get there. Um, we're just, we're trying to get it there before we lose too many. And because we're losing big time right now, because you touched on it very, very lightly earlier, and, and it bears repeating, and that is suicide in every category, ladies and gentlemen, it's listening to this, every category is on the rise, and it's taking a sharp turn upwards. And that's, that's alarming, because uh, Isabella, you hit it spot on. There is so much stress and uncertainty about the world as a whole right now, uh, that that it, it be the thought of it is now becoming. I think I can do this, and that's bad. That's that's alarming. 
Um, because one of the things, as you know, also as a behavioralist and one of my expertise is working with years with people with the fear and fear factors and breaking those fears and how do we get from fear to, to greatness and how do we actually get to uh, understand that we're stronger, more capable than we think we are and how to get into healthy environment that we are supported and loved and cared for. Uh, but I also see a lot of patterns and we had a suicide and mental health issue and crisis in this country in the last decade that really spiraled upwards. And then right now, 2020 is not helping you. You, you absolutely echo the statistics and everything that is going on. But um, one of the concerns that I'm also having is uh, being also very in tune with emotional intelligence as well as emotional capacity. And one of the things that I am seeing and that I'm working on and connecting these two things, when you reach certain threshold, when you don't have any more capacity to take on anything else, when you're so burned out, that's where the shutdown starts happening. You just, it's, it's just like the beyond physical exhaustion. It's a, such a strong mental exhaustion and that capacity threshold for a lot of people usually is low because they'd never had to experience so much of hardship and for them experience a magnitude of hardship right now. It's like only way we can do is exit because we don't see the light on the end of the tunnel. And when you also don't have strong emotional intelligence, which we're seeing a lot prevalent uh, specifically with the, uh, you know, a maturity uh, in certain age groups and with male, uh, where it's so much pressure, so much expectations, but very little uh, ability to uh, cross the, that gap or pivot because intellectually we're so strong, but that emotional piece, uh, again, if it's lacking, it's now more and more than ever telling, right? So, um, some of the practical things, even when you said ask for help, reach out, post in the crisis uh, phone numbers, I'm glad to see also 24 seven texting service. I'm seeing so many different platforms on the rise, uh, but having that trusted conversation, knowing that somebody has your back, um, what would you just say like a top two, three advice uh, or golden nuggets uh, for audience that is listening that are maybe recognizing some of those issues with themselves or with their loved ones. How do you break through? How do you even have these conversations and a little long get gained attraction? How do you, uh, when, when you recognize the symptoms to say, hey, Terry, I'm seeing uh, change. You're not looking as you used to be vibrant and energetic or, or, or I'm seeing you might be not feeling well. Are you, how do you feel? Are you feeling depressed? What is happening? Talk to me. How do we even open and, 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 and show to be more and, and for the, for the, uh, the other person? Mm -hmm. uh, that's a killer. Good question. Very, very good. You know, uh, I want to also add in, uh, there's a statistic that uh, almost no one knows about, and that is two in five survivors of somebody who take their own life will take theirs too. So it perpetuates in the family and to your close friends, okay? So two in five of the closest people to you will end their life similarly if you decide to do so. Now, how do I walk up to somebody or to open a conversation or in this online era I call up and, and check, see how they're doing and start a conversation about how um, somebody, uh, a celebrity or somebody has, has ended their life uh, to suicide. And what a tragedy it is and, and how much I would miss 
uh, somebody close to me who committed suicide. And, and um, you know, um, for instance, whatever I observed in the person I'm talking to, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard uh, that they do this or this or this. They, they start giving their junk away or they, uh, they go quiet. They won't, they won't come out and, and they're very depressed. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bob, sometimes you do that, you know. Uh, you're not thinking about that, are you? And then I go silent. Allow them to respond. Mm. Okay, but I set it up that it's almost like, oh, by the way, Bob, you do this. So you're not doing this, are you? I'm going to miss you. I love you, man. Are you okay? And then I go silent and allow them to respond. Uh, the longer it takes to respond, the more your your the horror is confirmed. You need to. Uh, that's the point where. Um, if you can't get there, you need to get a hold of somebody who can get there and support that person because they're there. They're not thinking about it anymore. The silence confirms they're, they're more than passively thinking about it. And who knows, they may have been, had all the stuff they needed to do uh, the suicide with on the table in front of them when they took the call from you. You don't know. And there's, there's no better time than right away. And I, I, I truly recommend start out by talking about, wow, you see all this suicide stuff? So-and-so, the celebrity, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were doing this and that. And, and somebody was saying the other day that uh, they get quiet. And they, you don't see them for a while. Hey, Bob, I haven't seen you for a while. You okay, man? You know, I love you. Then you go silent. So I hope that helps for those of you who are listening in. That is a fantastic way to approach it, specifically somebody who you love and it's close to your heart, your close friends and family members. And right now with the virtual uh, and with isolation, it's even bigger struggle. So I love avenues of leverage and technology like we're doing right now so we can have an eye contact, so we can really see each other. So it's not just the voice and it's not just the texting, but more meaningful way of, of conversing and getting to that point so we can uh, really depict and look at the deeper on certain issues. Uh, and I really find when people say we don't have a time, if you don't have a time now, you will never have a time. If right now it's not giving us opportunity to revisit and step back and see what's important and then and make sure that we are nurturing that what is important to us, which are the relationships, which are people in our life. And I, and I just love the, the, that we can really do this. Um, and it's such a powerful sharing, Terry, because again, not only it's a timely, not it's the, but, but in the same time, I know deep down, all of us do care. And we wanted to offer different choices and different solutions and different perspectives. And going through uh, work that we did on, on ourselves and our people in our own sphere of influence, those are the those are testimonies of, of of successes that it is possible to cross over and, and overcome these challenges. Absolutely. Do you offer any facilitation, any groups by the chance for people? Or uh, we don't do groups. We do uh, because of our success rate and and what we consider one and done. When when we find that uh, amnesic memory and release it, uh, there there's no counseling or therapy needed. 
It's all about self-repatterning. If, if you uh, create your own mantra, it's yours, you own it, you love it. It can't be broken. If I give you stuff to think about, you might say it 50 times a day, you might even like saying it, but you don't own it. For people, particularly uh, with, with suicide, reinforcement uh, from their heart, from their self, is very important. Um, and so uh, we touch base with them a number of times in that first 30 days. Uh, we don't uh, need to, uh, we, don't, we don't even talk about the incident. What a person comes to us with um, um, that they're thinking about suicide, uh, it's because something won't shut off in their brain and they just, they can't handle it anymore. We don't even talk about that. We, we don't talk about anything that has high emotional value to them right now because we are creating an alternate neural pathway for them to, to shut that off. Uh, the memories are still there. Your, your history book is still intact, but it no longer controls you. You control the the. The history you don't have any more that emotional response you're not triggered you're not easily i can go in into that, that de severe depressed state or sadness or helplessness and whatnot yeah. that is, when that somebody, is exactly when somebody's thinking about suicide this is a good point too they plan it for a while week or two they figure out the method the time of day um likelihood of somebody walking in and, and messing it up uh whatever uh, it is planned out, even to the point where I've had uh, one client in, in particular uh, attempted three different times. He planned it, and he wasn't aware of it until we went through the CR process, but he planned it so that somebody would find him, so he wouldn't die, and he would get the attention and the loving and all that stuff. Well, once that's done, everybody goes back to their life, and he's in the back, he's in the same situation he was before. Okay. So when we found out what actually started all of that and neutralized it with him, uh, then he no longer had that need to love, uh, you know, because we all have a need to love and be loved. And we're emotional units. So he went out, uh, he didn't have a girlfriend, he didn't have any close family. He went out and made a family. He went out and joined the Y to do some uh, working out, stuff like that, started hanging out with people there and created his own family. And he's done well for the last five years. So that's important too. But the first thing is whatever's driving the, the thoughts to come back over and over and over again must be neutralized first. And that's what we do. And then after that, once in a while, uh, your brain and your body has been vibrating all your life at a certain level. And when you take that vibration away, it lets you celebrate for a couple of weeks and then start saying, Terry, you're not acting normal anymore, but that's okay. I'll find you a new memory to get scared with and vibrate normal, what the body thinks is normal. And we teach how to be present, that that's happening and stop it. Even a trigger, you know, like some months later, um, sometimes something will trigger a bad memory. And if you're not prepared for it, it could become a, a PTSD event all over again. However, when they uh, are aware of that, and as soon as they trigger, we have three questions for them that are very unique, and it takes about five seconds to completely come out of an anxiety attack. 
by yourself in a crowd. Nobody knew that even happened. So it's very powerful. It's three questions that find a new uh, memory and a person in that memory that caused that uh, emotion, you neutralize it to yourself under your breath and boom, you're out of it. You're completely clown. After you know a few more months, another one may occur, not usually, but if it does, you know what to do. So the self-repatterning is very powerful. We have, uh, uh, once in a while, I'll have somebody come back a couple of years after a session knowing that something's not right and they can't find it. Then we have a, a session we call a continuation session. Takes about 30 minutes to find it this time, instead of three hours. And boom, they're all done and off they go. They don't come back again. So that is so beautiful and empowering that it is possible actually to be liberated and freed from that and not hold hostage. And a lot of different disciplines and knowing very well, again, as, as you, I did not purposely study psychology or psychiatry, uh, but been working so heavily in those disciplines and observed so much over the years. Uh, but I always wanted to know like what ticks some people, behavioral sides and aspects of it. And I always look at, you know, it's like, how do we give empowerment and power to people so that they can self-regulate and, and, and recognize what is happening to them? Because that's, that, that's the most amazing healing that you can truly, tool-wise, offer to someone. And, and so that they can do that on their own after, you know, specific events and whatnot. So it's just so powerful and so hopeful uh, to know that you don't have to linger and you don't feel like you have to be like a part of the AAA club or, or something else that is uh, part of your makeup and your DNA and something that you feel like you'll label the rest of your life. Yeah. And that is, uh, again, a very, very huge issue for a lot of people because so much stigma around it, right? Mm -hmm. And approaches that are not necessarily effective uh, and, and how that it's then portrayed not only in your personal life, but in your professional life, in life in corporate America, for example, that we're seeing what a lot of things are collapsing right now. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that PTSD aspects and imposter syndrome and around the CEOs, because that is the area that we play very well. So do you mind sharing a little bit about that for listeners so that they can really start pivoting and understanding what might be happening with them or their loved ones. Uh, so suicide is obviously the far risk stream on one end, but we have so many other symptoms prior to the suicidal thoughts and ideations that occurred that we can actually stop and pay closer attention. Yes, love to talk about this, as you know, um, as my colleague. And uh, imposter syndrome is what we call white collar PTSD. It is anxiety driven. They believe that they're that even though they're massively successful in what they do in life, uh, uh, they they believe it's that it's a falsehood and that they're an imposter. And at any moment, the people that uh, know and respect them or whatever is going to find out they're an imposter and and out them, you know, uh, so that uh, there's nothing left to do but commit suicide or whatever. And so that is as strong a driver as a combat veteran with uh, uh, complex PTSD because the merry-go-round doesn't shut off. The movie player doesn't shut off. It works all the time. And it just works it in a different way when they're by themselves, laying in bed or whatever, crying in the middle of the night with their loving wife beside them or spouse or whatever. Uh, 
that the spouse don't know anything about it, but the spouse does. It's called companion fatigue. And that is another form of PTSD. It's a repetitive behavior and not a disorder or a disease, folks. I want you to be clear about this part. Okay, so when we find that, that driver, that active block and neutralize it, uh, it, it is not unusual that whatever medications that client was on prior to the CR process, 30-day process, they're usually off all of those medications within a year. With their doctor's help, let's not, let's not go down there. We don't prescribe, so we don't have somebody come in and sit down and, and talk to us for a minute and say, oh, you got PTSD. We don't care, mm -hmm. okay? What we work on is not, a, not a, uh, anything to do with conscious thought. It's an amnesic event that occurred. And so those of you that are uh, the, the, the person suffering from imposter syndrome at the 40th floor of an office building is no different than the vet on the street who's homeless. It's the same anxiety, it's the same things going over and over and over again in their head. And these super uh, uh, successful people keep themselves driven so busy that they, they think they shut the, shut the uh, movie player off, which in fact it does not. Uh, and then the people that take care of them have this companion fatigue, which is driven uh, and, and created from taking care of this person. Now, here's the part that uh, most people don't know. It perpetuates through the family unit. So whatever is the primary uh, reason, PTSD, imposter syndrome, suicide ideation, victimization, whatever it is, will go to the companion fatigue. And ladies and gentlemen, it will go to your children. It will go to your children. And a lot of what we do with uh, our clients is we take the family through. So the, the primary person first, caregiver, uh, spouse second, and we've only gone back to age 16 years old uh, for the children. But what we do in that instance is we stop the perpetuation of the, of the uh, behavior. So that's important. And, and it can all be stopped. It, it's a one and done thing. When you're at that point of enough is enough, Remember that guy, Earthwind, Terry Earthwind Nichols. <laughs> and Google me. Don't worry about my website or anything. You Google me, you get four pages of Google, and it's all me. Okay? YouTube, websites, stories, LinkedIn, Facebook, everything. So Terry Earthwind Nichols, that's a writer down there for you, those of you who are listening in. That's fantastic. Thank you, Terry. And I love that you also brought up that uh, spousal of fatigue and children and dynamics and family specific right now, because with very unhealthy uh, relationships or unhealthy human being that, uh, that they exhibit some of these issues uh, in different stages, obviously, right now with everybody working from home or being more together, so many things escalate, so many things became apparent, so many things to my clients are showing uh, the, the, the hidden pain and, and then you always see one side it's ready to take all the actions and move forward the other one is uh, uh, you know saying that they are but they're actually self-sabotaging and sabotaging others and, and perpetuating the pain and suffering which uh, again how do you show up in your personal life also reflects how you show up in your professional life uh, and, 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 and a lot of times we feel like oh yeah doesn't matter I can juggle that but now it's like no you can't and 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 if it's no congruency there that shows and bleeds through and a lot of gentlemen that i'm being exposed to 
uh, and through coaching and counseling, it's just, it's just really sad and unfortunate. Uh, yeah. But we do the best we can, don't we? So one at a time. Absolutely. And, and, and those are the wins that I feel like the most personal and most um, satisfying when we see course of action and how quickly somebody can progress in, in 30, 60, 90 days. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's very powerful. You know, when I, I take on a coaching client, cause I also do that too. The one-to-one -one coaching, uh, they sign on for a minimum three months. Month one is see our process. Month two, who are you? And then month three, let's launch you out there and let's get going. And that works quite well. And they usually stick around for uh, the six month program after that because the launch has started, things are starting to roll, their life has changed around. They know who they really are for the first time in their lives. Mm -hmm. That's another thing coming out of the end of a CR session. You get to meet your original personality. It's pretty profound. It is, it is specifically in times that we live right now. So yes. Uh, so with everything you've been going, uh, I mean, been doing and everything that's been going on, um, do you mind sharing what is on your bucket list left to do or some things you are looking forward to it? And then also, of course, being on the Legacy Leaders Show, it's crucial to hear about, you know, you have phenomenal uh, pathway of so many things you already accomplished. What is that legacy that you're working on right now that you wanted to pass on future generations? World peace. My spiritual journey in this lifetime, I, I was taught at the beginning of learning that I was a Native American man, is that uh, my spiritual journey in this lifetime is to gain the four nations of the world uh, back together as one. Well, the result of that obviously has to be world peace. So world peace is, is uh, in this lifetime. I don't know if I got to live to 150 to get it done, but we'll find out. But <laughs> there, there are a lot of people that have talked to me over the years, especially these last few years in this journey, uh, that, that feel that inner peace associated with me. And once we have uh, well, see, our process gives you a profound inner peace because the turmoil is gone. Mm -hmm. You need inner peace to have world peace. You can't have what you don't already. You can't give or receive what you, what already, you don't have in yourself. Have. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of it that, that is lacking is self-love and self-respect. And I see this more profoundly more than ever. I'm like, how can you then love your wife and your family and love others if you are so incapable to love yourself and accept yourself or why don't you then change things that you don't love or that you don't like and that you think you would like to have it differently so yeah. so it's just a lot of that but I, that is very powerful uh, world peace is definitely high on my list as well but i want to ask you you've been also doing some work with the refugees and and working on the larger global consumption do you mind share to share with the audience a little bit about other avenues, how you're transforming and helping and uplifting humanity. Uh, thank you on that one. Uh, my title is His Excellency Ambassador Terry Earthwind Nichols. And in America, that doesn't mean so much. Titles aren't that big a thing, but the rest of the world it is. And I am a world ambassador on behalf of the uh, World Refugee Green Council of Cyprus. Uh, for the USA and the globe, uh, globally. And 
uh, I'm a voice for refugees, okay? Uh, refugees uh, are displaced people. They're not, they just didn't quit and walk out the door and ask for somebody to take them. They've been displaced. They no longer have a home. They're, you know, they have no life. And there are refugees right here in America right now that live here and who are American citizens. They're homeless people. Those are refugees too, okay? And it is our responsibility as humans to help other humans, okay? We're people. People uh, are different than humans. Humans are a species of animals. We're people, person to person. We're capable of making decisions and developing, and we're capable of giving and receiving love on a higher uh, level than most animals. Unfortunately, most animals have a better take on being able to uh, give and receive love than, than we do. We, have, we get up in our head and we think about it too much. But the refugee uh, movement and, and keeping the voice out there on behalf of those people who have been displaced um, is as important as, as my work with suicide and PTSD and, and self-sabotage and all of that, alcoholism, yes. Wow, that's wonderful. As a former refugee, genocide, torture, war, trauma survivor myself, and does not identify anymore as one, because again, when you overcome, when you rebuild and establish yourself, I also am a huge advocate, a proponent of uh, education around, because uh, stigma around refugees, how refugees are created, and knowing that refugees do get created from two only events, uh, from catastrophic environmental issues, and they have to escape in order for them to survive or the war and, 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 and torture and upheaval that is going on in specific country during specific regime. Uh, and a lot of times because it's interconnected and it's a global, it's a not just the one country issue, it's a global issue, but it's also cause and effect, right? How do we navigate economy, politics and everything else? It, also level of accountability and responsibility that you mentioned earlier. So I'm glad that we touched on that too, because that stems from so many other problems and how important it is to, again, have a world peace and have a better world for generations to come. So Absolutely. in closing, Terry, if you don't mind, just share uh, something that you want to leave the audience that is listening and watching with. What will be your piece of advice or suggestion recommendation to live to that maximum potential, to foster the world peace and be the great uh, world peace ambassador? What would you leave them with? There are no good choices. There are no bad choices. They're simply choices. And guess what? We get to change your mind whenever we wish. If you're in, in, in a dark place, there is light. And you know there's light. Make the choice to go to the light. There's always someone with their hand out ready to help you. And once you do that, your life changes. And it won't go back to the dark until you choose to go back to the dark. So... Make a, make a choice that works good for you because there are no good ones or there's no bad ones. So step into the light. There's always somebody there who can help you. That is so powerful. Again, thank you so much for your time and, and showing today on the Legacy Leader Show. It was a pleasure having you. Pleasure to be here, Isabella. Great host. 
Thank you so much.